Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rach Active Podcast. My name is Rach J. I am your host. I'm a master coach, the founder of Core 30. I'm so excited to welcome our awesome guest to the show today. He is a mental health advocate and international speaker. He's spoken at TEDx. He's also an actor and the host of his own podcast, Move Your Mind. Welcome to the show, Nick Brax. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. I'm so excited to get to chat to you about all of these awesome topics. So one of the really fun connections I feel like we have, which you may not know about, but we've both been on Neighbours. I didn't know that, but there you go. It's, <laughs> there you um, go. That's a, another connection. Yeah, exactly. Another connection. So you were on the show up until 2018 and you were playing the character of Brandon Danker. And so that would have been a really fun little stint for you, right? To, to be on Neighbours? It was. It was fun. I mean, I it was sort of the first, one of the first acting jobs I got. And um, it was just a good experience, you know, being on set, how quick turnaround it is. You're having to, you know, some, I think it was a day where I had to film seven or eight scenes in a day or something like that. And um, so from that side, it's really good. It just get you get over a lot of it makes you confident for other jobs of just, you know, being on set and that whole process and mechanics of it. So it was, it was good. And, um, you know, made a couple of good friends still, uh, Tim Kano, I'm still really, he's one of my close friends now. And, you know, that's probably the best part of a lot of these things. You, you know, end up having friendships that last through it. So it was good. Uh, when, when were you on it? Um, I was on a couple of times a while ago. So I did a couple of guest spots. Um, the first time I was on was, way back when Margot Robbie and Sam Clark were on the show. Um, and so it was through their like Donna Ringo storyline. And then uh, the m- more recent time was um, Jordan Patrick Smith was on. Uh, so that was the Andrew Summer storyline. So now he's gone on to do, you know, like um, Vikings and all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, there's all these people that have done uh, Neighbours that have just springboarded off, off to do some amazing things. But what's really cool like you were saying about um, making friends on Neighbours, like I don't know if you find this, but I feel like a lot of my actor friends, most of them have been on Neighbours. It's almost like this kind of like <laughs> rite of passage that you have to go through as an actor <laughs> to get onto um, Aussie television. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but you've been in the media and entertainment industry. I mean, not just, you know, as an actor, but throughout your career doing uh, other bits and pieces. And so, you know, it didn't always... Uh, begin like that in terms of you feeling comfortable being in front of the camera and uh, or in front of people for that matter, speaking in front of a lot of people. Um, and you've kind of spoken about being this really kind of socially anxious kid. So can you kind of speak to that and where, you know, your journey started because, you know, you've gone through a lot of stuff to bring you to the point where you mm. are today. So can you kind of take us through that journey? Yeah, definitely. And it is kind of like if I think back of, you know, where my mindset was in my early twenties, um, you know, the last thing in the world I would have thought I would, would do for a living is, you know, public speaking and, um, exploring things like acting. It, it's kind of crazy, but, um, I had, I've always had anxiety and had, you know, struggled a lot with anxiety, OCD and related issues as a, as a kid. And, um, that became a really big problem for me. And I, had this whole, you know, sequence of events and was off the rails for quite a long time after school and, um, you know, had identity problems, I guess, and insecurities and didn't know who I was and, um, you know, it was a full, you know, big backstory to all of it. But uh, eventually when I was working through things and piecing myself back together, um, 
I had to do public speaking in this course at university. I dropped out of the first one and this was a um, business entrepreneurship course where you had to do a lot of talking. And uh, I was so shy and insecure at that point, I couldn't, you know, look someone in the eye and have a conversation and let alone talk in front of people. And I'd be doing these talks in front of, you know, just five people and vomiting before I'd go and do it and having it, you know, written out word for word on a sheet of paper and staring at the floor, you know, mumbling and, um, you know, not making any sense of it. But uh, it was the best thing that could have happened to me because I had been um, in a bad way for a long time. Uh, I knew at this point I had to stick to doing this course because I would, uh, I needed some sort of, you know, reason to get out of bed and purpose. And I had to force myself to just, you know, suffer through doing these talks. And after a year of doing that, I became comfortable at doing it. And then I got better and better. And um, it really just paved, you know, the way for me for other opportunities that came up with TV things and different things and actually getting asked to speak in the media and eventually, um, doing, you know, public speaking and running programs and, you know, some of what I do now. Uh, so it was a yeah, big transition, but it sort of, um, you know, really reinforced to me that uh, anyone can go and do anything and we can't, you know, listen to these stories that our mind tell, tell us, which all of us do. I do it to this day. I think we can't help it. Like I think anyone would, even the most successful person in the world would be lying if they said they don't have to fight off, you know, um, uh, negative storytelling because it's it's part of the human condition and we're so exposed to it in, you know, day-to-day life with mass media and social media, et cetera. So it um, was a great lesson, which I think, it, you know, we all need to apply to our, you know, daily lives in whatever we're doing. Yeah, 100%. I feel like even, uh, you know, people like, uh, I was listening to a podcast recently where Hugh Jackman was talking about how he still has doubt about his ability and he's, you know, done such an incredible, you know, um, job with his career that to this day he still has to deal with those kind of negative uh, stories that he tells himself. So, you know, it's it's been such an amazing journey for you to go through uh, what you've gone through um, and dealing with your own mental health and um, you know, those kinds of things like anxiety, depression, those kinds of things, which, you know, we are, you know, recording this during this global pandemic that we're all experiencing at the moment, which which is bringing to the surface increased levels of these uh, emotions like anxiety, stress, depression. And now, you know, you, you have, um, you do a lot of work in the mental health space as an advocate through speaking and your training programs and, and those kinds of things. So have you noticed that there's been an increase in the demand for these kinds of resources in terms of mental health? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, um, it's, I mean, on that end of it, it's kind of weird because um, there is a huge demand, but there's so many resources out there. Um, and I think like anything, you know, what, which I find, you know, quite dangerous in this area um, because mental health now is, you know, such a big issue and, and it's so talked about. Um, there's so many people also that are trying to, you know, be capitalistic about it and how can I quickly create something and leverage from this mental health trend and sell something. And so it's very, very convoluted now. So it's sort of there is opportunity but there's also or demand but there's also, um, you know, 
a lot of noise out there and um, really what I'm focusing on more so than, you know, the um, financial side of programs is just doing, you know, I'm, I've sort of put all of that on hold and, um, you know, just doing the podcast and trying to use my voice to just put out positive messages and direct people on, you know, where they can go to get help because I just think there's there's too much noise out there and people need simplicity and people need, you know, just specific information about what to do. Um and it, it is scary, you know, how big of an issue this is. It's like, you know, suicides obviously, you know, going up and um, it's, I don't, I don't see things, you know, going away in the mental health, in these mental health issues anytime soon. There's going to be a lot of collateral damage from, you know, what's happening here. So it's, we need, you know, all of the positive support, you know, we, we can get out there. Mm, absolutely. Because it's not just, uh, you know, what's going on right now because we're obviously in Melbourne and we're going in and out of lockdown. But when this whole thing does eventually come to some sort of end or we can return to some sort of normality again, you know, there is going to be the after effect of that. It's not something that just kind of happens in the moment. It's, you know, something that you live with. It's a journey, right, that you go through. And I'm interested because, you know, I've always felt like there's been a stigma around mental health and around the conversations around mental health, whereas perhaps now it is becoming a little bit more normalised to speak about it, you know, and which is a really awesome thing because we all experience these kinds of emotions and it doesn't have to be like you're depressed or you're not depressed. It's like to different degrees, right? It's a continuum um, where you might experience different levels at different periods of time. Um, So I'm really curious to know from your perspective for people who maybe who haven't spoken about it to anybody, because sometimes, you know, people might feel like other people, their family, their friends won't understand what they're going through and they've never opened up about it before. So what would you sort of recommend for people who have never spoken about these kinds of feelings to anybody else? Um, Yeah. And you're right. You know, I think that's like a really positive and we can, you know, there are positives that come out of this whole situation and, people, it is more normalised, you know, probably for a bad reason, you know, people are suffering to such a degree that they they don't have a choice, but okay, I need to talk about this because I'm really not in a good way now. And, and yeah. I'm, so, I, you know, I can't believe, especially in elevated here in Victoria, and um, I can't believe how many people I'm hearing from that have never, are saying they've never had a mental health issue in their life. They've always been so stable and they're suffering. And, you know, if you see that, it's like, it, it's, it's scary, the people that are suffering. So, Um, For anyone that, you know, isn't comfortable talking about it, I think just reminding yourself that, number one, there's nothing wrong with you if you're suffering. This is very normal. It's actually probably more normal right now to be struggling than, you know, I I think you'd be sort of superhuman if you were were unaffected completely, you know, from what's going on in the world. Forget And forget Victoria, like you said, it's elevated here, but globally, you know, it's pretty hard not to be somewhat impacted by what's happening. So number one, that's normal. Number two, okay, if you don't, you might not have someone directly you can talk to or you might not trust them or feel comfortable, that's also okay. If you have nowhere else to go, go, you know, online. I always just say type into Google free mental health helpline. You can go to, you know, Lifeline. There's so many of them. Call one of them. It's anonymous. It's a free call. And then from there you can tell them what the problem is and they're professionals and they can direct you to the, you know, resource, to what's out there. So um, I think it's just really important. The thing that I always say is uh, the one thing that you should not do is nothing, just do something. It's when we sort of sit on a problem that and ruminate that it 
compounds and becomes worse and worse and you get stuck in a hole. So just do anything. Normally the first step's the hardest part. Once you do that, things will, you know, you'll start to open up doors of how you can deal with this issue. Mm. And I think the thing too is, is there is an element even of acknowledging that you're having those feelings because part of the part of it is to accepting that you are feeling these feelings that maybe you've not acknowledged before. You know, this this situation is bringing it to the surface, and so you do have to face them in a in a sense. Um, so there there is this element of of being vulnerable, uh, which you've spoken about a lot in your work to to be able to connect with people and open up and share those sorts of feelings and experiences. So. And particularly as, as a man, you know, in this kind of culture where, you know, you've talked about this before, this kind of social narrative or this ideology that a lot of us are taught that, you know, real men don't cry, don't have feelings, you can't express your emotions, vulnerability is a weakness. Um, I'm really curious to know, you know, so how, how you sort of, you have sort of managed to disperse or, or kind of like dismantle that narrative for yourself because you talk so much about your journey and go into quite, you know, a lot of detail in terms of what you've experienced. So how have you been able to do that for yourself? Yeah, um, and it, it is, a, it's, yeah, I think it's such an important point because it's sort of, um, you know, we can't stop our mind from thinking about things, like whether it's positive, negative, indifferent, our mind is going to think. So it's, for me, it's really been, it goes back actually, and I talk about this a lot, sort of, really the most important lesson I learned was when I was at uni having to do, do these talks um, because I would be, you know, vomiting before I'd go and talk. And like the example I gave before, and my mind was telling me, you know, Nick, you're pathetic, you're not good enough, you've got nothing good to say, you're going to make a mockery of yourself, everyone's going to, you know, you, you just don't have any ability to go and do this. And to, you know, such a degree, and it had been a story I told myself for so long that had that physical effect Mm. Um, so having to go through that and, and actually at the beginning, you know, doing a pretty average job, I may as well have been speaking another language, you know, no one would have heard <laughs> what I said. Um, but I showed to myself that, hang on, in this situation, even here where probably one of my most dreaded, you know, um, you know, results happened, I didn't do a great job. I've still been okay. And people have been, you know, kind to me about it and not judged me and whatever else. And, um, and that, you know, part sort of paved the way for me for other things. Uh, not long after that, I was on a reality show on um, Dancing with the Stars, which, uh, you know, I'm a pretty shocking dancer. Never, that's the last time I'll ever dance again. Uh, so I hope anyone listening to this did not see that. I, I feel very sorry for anyone. If they did see it, you probably are still, you probably still have PTSD. That's why I got into <laughs> mental health because of the trauma I caused from my bad dancing. But, um, um, but it was, you know, that w- it went from the speaking to, you know, six months after getting over this speaking thing, I'm on a reality show, uh, dancing on if in front of a li- live audience, 3 million people watching it live on TV. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even dance if I'm out with my friends and I'm still really shy and getting over issues. So this was a whole nother extreme and, I almost didn't do that, but I drew on the experience that I learned in uh, university and applied it to that. And uh, like I said, did a bad job, but got through it. And it reinforced that lesson, which for me now, I just, every, anything I'm facing that's difficult, I draw on these things and I remind myself, okay, you know what? Yes, it's not going to be easy. And yes, my mind is telling me all these different things and it might feel unpleasant right now, but I can choose whether I want to buy into those thoughts or not. 
And, it, you know, it is a mindfulness thing where you pull yourself out of the situation and think, hey, what's going to be good for me um, long term, longer term? And I'm going to, you know, go through this short-term discomfort because I know it's the better thing for me to do. And um, I think that's where we can all fall, you know, by the wayside when we let our emotions get the better of us and in the moment we're reactive rather than, you know, being able to have that bigger picture and that's when things can, you know, progressively you know, go off track. So for me, uh, in a very long-winded answer, that's sort of for me what I've found has been, you know, um, a really effective, you know, tool that I use, you know, daily in my life. Mm, to be able to put yourself in that situation then draw on that experience, definitely. But then, you know, you sort of talk about too having the awareness around the, even the thoughts that are coming into your mind because sometimes I feel that, um, you know, d- developing that self-awareness is almost the the start of the process, right? Because if you identify so much with those negative stories that our mind tells us, uh, it, it kind of just is kind of like this domino effect that affects your your perception of yourself and then obviously your behaviours in the world and what you choose to do. So this idea about developing self-awareness about firstly your your thoughts, but then also your emotions and understanding what they are. How do you think people who, who perhaps are, you know, they know they're struggling and, but they're, but they're not quite aware yet of, of that they can control their thoughts because what, what was that moment for you where you actually realized that you had the power to change those thoughts or to, to buy either buy into those thoughts or not? You know, what, what was that moment for you like? Well, I think it's, again, that story that I just gave you. Um, I mean, and, and as you said, I don't think you can't really change. It's, it's what I would say to people is, like I said in that story, it's, you know, my mind is telling me these crazy stories that are so ingrained that um, I'm having a reaction about. We, if, I, if you sit there and think, okay, I need to stop thinking negatively. I've got to think positive. I've got to, I, I can't allow myself to even have this thought probably what will happen is you'll actually, you know, the, the thought will come, become louder and you'll you'll have more of them because it's like anything, you know, you tell someone not to do something, they'll do more of it. It's how the mind works. So we can't control that. So it's more acceptance. It's thinking, and that's what self-awareness is really. It's being able to re- look at things without, you know, that immediate emotion, not letting the emotion control you of, right now my mind's going crazy, I'm thinking all these things, that's who I am, that's defining me. It's not defining you, it's just what you're feeling and experiencing in that moment. But if you could step out and look at the bigger picture, this is who I am. And, you know, this it's such you can go so, you know, many levels of this conversation that I think is so problematic in society where, um, you know, you look at this on any level, people most of the time and not by their fault, by how we've been conditioned in society and schooling and parenting and, you know, all those different elements to it. Um, we've been taught that we are what we do or we are what we, you know, I'm Nick, I'm I'm an actor. Well, no, I'm not. I'm Acting's one thing I, you know, well, if I, when I'm lucky enough to get given a job, which isn't often, but um, <laughs> sometimes I do what I do, but I'm not an actor, I'm, I'm Nick. You know, it's like, who, who are you? You're not this thing you do. That's great, but you're not, people are, you know, defining themselves by, external things, which is incredibly dangerous because you're, but until you change that, you are going to be unhappy because even if things go incredibly well, you know, life is cyclical and things will change. So, um, you know, I think that's such an important thing that we can understand that and, and, you know, start learning how to go about, you know, 
giving ourselves self-love, you know, and going internal rather than external. Mm, And that's another thing that you talk about, which I really loved, actually. Um, I think this is part of your TED talk, where you talked about uh, our values and how, you know, especially now in today's world, um, and perhaps more so with the younger generations as well coming up, um, they've grown up with social media and all of that kind of stuff where, uh, you know, there's a lot of value placed on how many followers you have on social media. And like you said, material things or things that are external to us. Uh, So, you know, what would you kind of suggest in terms of, you know, perhaps people who are going through this period of time are now realising the value that they had placed on these things that perhaps are, I mean, they shifted purely out of circumstance because, you know, businesses are are suffering at the moment, people's jobs, you know, people have lost jobs, all that kind of stuff. How are they able to regain this, I I guess, better sense of connection to themselves and to people who are important to them rather than things outside of themselves? Yeah, and it's hopefully another positive, you know, thing that can come out of this, trying to really reset values and I think maybe for some people it will, some people it won't. But, yeah, I think really just values is such an important thing and it all comes again down to self-awareness. I think a lot of people don't actually um, understand why they're chasing more followers or why they're chasing fame or why they're just reacting and doing it. And if they really looked, you know, did some sort of put, peeled back the layers, they'll probably see, oh, well, maybe something happened to me when I was a kid where I felt like I wasn't significant enough. I might have been bullied and now that's become the story that I've played in my head and I'm now only enough if I can prove to all those people that bullied me that I'm a huge success and I'm popular and I'm more popular than anyone they knew and, you know, that means I'm enough. And it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it because it's not based on anything that you really care about yourself. So um, it comes back to looking at what do I actually care about? And if there was no such thing as, you know, social media or money or whatever, what would I be doing? What What's important to me? What, what do I actually enjoy doing? And enjoying um, the process of what you're doing, that's what it should be about. If you can't enjoy the, you know, day-by-day process of doing things, you're probably not doing something that, you know, is healthy for you. Um, if you're having to completely suffer for this end reward, um, the reward, no matter how big, is not worth it because, you're, you know, you're dedicating so much of your life to being in pain. So I think it comes back to really looking at changing how you look at things, you know, instead of um, what can I get out of this, changing, you know, what value can I add and what, 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 um, what's important to me in this, what do I enjoy doing, you know. And, yeah, I guess like we, we're being conditioned to be quite selfish in our thinking as well because it's always... Um, you know, through social media and all these things, it's all about me, 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 rather than trying to, you know, do things for other people, which ironically, you know, doing things for other people is what will make us feel a lot happier anyway. So what I always say as well is, and, you know, I'm, I'm not the most amazing person. I'm like, I'm, I'm selfish. I can be selfish, but I, I get, I feel the best about myself when I go and do a talk, you know, cause I'm like, I'll go and, you know, show vulnerability and then you, you see people getting a change out of it. I'm like, oh, you know what, well, that made me feel really good, better than any other material thing and I want more of this even so I can feel good. So it's like, you know, do it for that reason if, it, if that's the motivation you need. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel the same and I feel like uh, this period of time has been really uh, such a reflective time to be able to, you know, look at your life and, and really understand yourself better and ask yourself those questions like what is important to me? What do I want to 
spend my energy and time doing what do I want to give people? And I think that's a really great way to frame things for yourself to take the focus off you. And I, I think that's a really important thing because those kind of emotions like anxiety and depression, it is very, you're thinking about yourself a lot of the time when you're in, when you're kind of in that kind of cycle of thinking about, you're not really thinking about anything outside of yourself. So I think that's a really great point to kind of bring up. Um, and, you know, sort of on that as well, in terms of, you know, giving back to yourself in a way that is healthy for you. Um, like you mentioned before, giving yourself self-love essentially. Um, you've spoken about, you know, creating routines and healthy habits and uh, developing discipline, you know, in your day. So can you kind of talk us through what you sort of do in terms of your habits daily you mm -hmm. know, to take care of yourself? Yeah, and I think it's one of the most important things because like, and often people have um, things that, you know, they do that make them feel good or we do reactively that it's like, okay, things are going bad now. I'm going to go and, you know, exercise now because I'm feeling bad. So I think it's, it's just so important to make it like part of your day and find what you can do. And for me, I've been meditating for almost 10 years now. I, um, I learned um, TM, Transcendental Meditation or Vedic Meditation is another name for it. And um, that stuck for me. It's, it's simple. you got a mantra, you sit there for 20 minutes and say this mantra, um, which I think it, it helps with so many things and it's able to just give you your mind that time to be still. And um, so that's one thing I do. And I'd say for anyone wanting to learn about meditation, you know, there's no perfect way to do it and there's apps out there and, you know, you might only want to spend five minutes a day doing it, but there's, you know, it's just sort of starting and making it a routine. Um I do gratitude journaling every day when I wake up. Um, I exercise. I mean, the, the number one thing for me, which um, I always talk about, is exercise. I've used to be trained. I used to be a semi-professional athlete. That's what I wanted to be as a kid, and it's been you know, exercise and sports been one of the biggest parts of my life, and that's just something every day or one day. I have one day off a week, but it's just it's like oxygen for me. I have to do it, and. I just, you know, I and I, I just talk about it till I'm blue in the face and it's something that we all know about. But at the same time, um, for mental health, it just, it's profound how much it helps. And, uh, and you know, so many people can advocate for that. And we all, yeah, like I said, we all know it, but when we're stuck in that rut, people put off exercising. And it might be as simple as, you know, and right now, you know, we can't do a lot. Well, it could be as simple as, okay, I'm just going to get out of the house and go for a walk for 20 minutes and it's amazing even how much that can open up your mind and make you feel better. So for me, um, you know, they're the three things. Probably outside of that, um, you know, acting and doing creative things, I've actually find, you know, um, for me on a, uh, a wellness level is so important for me because it's a creative outlet. It's a way to, you know, um, express yourself. It's a way to uh, process a lot of thoughts that you have and, put, can, you know, put them into something um, so that's probably the fourth one for me. I, I'm so glad that you brought up this connection between movement and mind because I feel like a lot, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the reason why I do what I do in terms of the fitness industry because for me, uh, you know, movement is, I, I do it because it just helps my mental state so much. And I know that, uh, you know, physically, of course, there's going to be benefits, but in terms of, you know, getting that mental game strong and just also being able to clear your, your mind when you've got, you know, stuff going on in your life, it, it just gives you that outlet to, to 
I guess, yeah, have almost like meditation is, is how I sort of find it sometimes. Um, and you, you have mentioned, you know, throughout your journey that, you know, like when you were younger, uh, being more into footy and stuff like that and really trying to train to become, because that's what you wanted to do, right? Become a, a professional AFL player. Um, originally, yeah. Originally. And, and you know, sort of what I had looked up about you is, is you know, you talked about overtraining during that period of time and sort of being so disciplined, but like waking up at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, going to train, then going to school and essentially using movement um, almost as an escape from what you were going through during that period of time. So obviously now your, your relationship with movement has changed um, where you're using it more as a way to gain energy and enhance your life. So I'm, I'm really curious to know, because you've, you've sort of used movement from different perspectives, how have you been able to transform, transform it, you know, from something that was quite, I guess, more of an escape as opposed to now as consciously using it for uh, enhancing your mental state. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's another thing. I think like, um, again, it comes down to self-awareness in that we're not really educated about um, addiction and addiction can be anything really. It could be work, food, exercise, um, anything. And yeah, like you said, for me at that point in time, I was young I you know have I had a very or still you know do have quite an obsessive sort of mind and at that point in time it was just you know that was the thing it latched to and because of the anxiety and lack of self-awareness I had it all manifested in okay this I feel in control and I guess so much of it is you know you, you want to feel in control so you, you're just doing something you can control to that extreme level and it stopped me having to think about all these other things I couldn't control and um I, through coming through that and understanding myself and having that self-awareness, I have just learnt um, not just with exercise but with, you know, so many areas that it, everything's about balance and, you know, I can find my mind when whatever's important to me, I can, you know, start fixating on, um, you know, the current project I'm doing or whatever it is and then it's just catching yourself and really, okay, you know what, um, yep, I'm doing everything I can for that but sitting here and just, you know, obsessing about it's not going to improve the situation. So it's being able to just maintain that balance because, um, and that's the tricky thing about, you know, everything in life, it's all balanced because it, we can go too little or too far. <laughs> so it's like trying to just check in with yourself all the time and, you know, making sure that, um, again, you know, as we've talked about so much in this chat, self-awareness is probably the biggest part of having, being able to, you know, keep that balance with everything. Self-awareness is key and I, I always, you know, kind of come back to that, and uh, it's just so important to to know yourself really well and take the time to get to know yourself. I don't know about you, but I, I definitely found through acting has been one of the the greatest ways that I've learned to become more aware about my own emotions. Because you know, when you play another character, you need to utilize those things within yourself to be able to take that and then put it into you know essentially another person's uh, point of mm. view, right? So um, have you found that going through acting and, and learning more about yourself? Oh, massively. I think acting is probably one of, and I recommend it to anyone. I think it's yeah. a, one of the best personal development things you can do. And I still remember in the first, when I first got into it, um, the very first day I was doing this full-time acting course and the teacher said, um, you're now going to unlearn everything you've been taught for the last 20 years. I was like, oh, I didn't really know what he meant. But then, you know, you realise, okay, well, it's 
because, yeah, we're undoing all this conditioning. And to be able to perform well, you have to, um, number one, understand yourself inside out and not let your ego take over. And then you have to understand other people. And like you said, you have to be able to access emotions and, you know, understand them because if you can't, how can you play someone else and perform? And if you can't have empathy for someone, how can you then put yourself in their their shoes, even if they're doing something bad? Um, And I think, again, this is really relevant because in um, culturally, if someone does something bad, a lot of the time it's labelling, they're bad. It's like, okay, they, you know, I'm not saying one way or the other, but let's try and understand what drove them to that behaviour. And acting forces you to have this mindset where you're having to, you know, really try and look at the behind the scenes of what's happened and why someone's become like that, um, which I think just fit humanity to be able to connect more and understand each other. If we all had that mindset, it would eliminate so many issues and people would connect on such a bigger level. Yeah, so I think it's so important. I think it's a great point. Yeah. And I I mean, for me, this is just what I've found. Acting is just talk, aside from acting, you know, like I think if you're not an actor, you know, from the outset, it is easy to kind of look at the profession and go, you know, it is a bit of a narcissistic profession and it's about, you know, being in front of the camera and all about me and all that kind of stuff. And which I've spoken about before in another episode, but, you know, the the greatest lessons that I've learned have been, you know, big life lessons from acting, which is, you learning about myself, self-awareness, but also um, the greatest lessons I've learned from acting is, is about failure, about rejection. And, you know, you, you, I guess, automatically are put into a position where you are going to face those things as an actor, because you do have to drop your ego. You can't, you, you know, you sort of, to, to be successful as an actor, to perform well in service of the work, uh, you can't allow your ego to kind of get in the way of of what you're trying to do. I mean, you know, you're a vessel essentially for the work, right? So one of the things that I really loved um, about something that you've said too is is that it's okay to fail at things. Um, this is to quote you in your TED talk, and also that often we learn our biggest lessons through failure. Um, so I'm really curious to know what your biggest failure has been. Yeah, and it goes back to um, what you just said before about acting. I think it's, you know, it, it, it's a, it can either break a person or make a person because you're, it's a pretty full-on thing when you're having to just show complete vulnerability and be rejected over and over and over again. Um, but yeah. then it makes it changes your mind to when you don't end up, if you can, you know, look at it in the right way, then you start realising it doesn't matter. It's not about that. Um, and like I said in that TED Talk, I think, um, failure, like I, we need to change um, our psychology around failure. I think you don't fail because everything I've learned has been through failing at things. So if you change the psychology of I'm trying to, you know, do this new pursuit, I'm either, you know, this is the goal, I'm either going to achieve that or I'm going to learn something. So one of two things, they're both going to be positive outcomes. Um so for me, you know, I've failed, I can't, couldn't even tell you how many times, like daily I'm failing at so many things. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, that's actually good because that's getting you closer to the right, you know, decision and right way to do things. And if you're not failing at things, you're probably not putting yourself out there enough and trying hard enough because 
the, that's how we learn, you know, that's how we get good at something. You, you, you know, they say it takes 10,000 hours to get good at something and, you know, you listen to all these, you know, and it's all over the internet, you know, Michael Jordan saying he failed however many times, you know, he was dropped from the team, junior team he was in and, you know, it was told he wouldn't amount to anything but you just keep going and going and going and it's the only way you can become successful at something and it makes it more meaningful as well. I think, you know, that's the other thing about failure if you don't, if things just happen for you, um, it wouldn't really mean much. You haven't had to, you know, the significance of it. So I think it's a, a positive thing in in that way as well. Um, yeah, and that's the advice I have to myself and other actors out there. It's like and the only thing I've heard, you know, the number one thing I've heard from any successful actor is um, the, if you want to, the one thing you can control is just keep doing it, just keep going, you know, don't have a time frame on it, don't have a... Uh, rule in your head about how it has to happen just keep going and most people do drop off at some point um, so the one assured way to not succeed is to stop you know so you just got to keep going that's true you just got to keep going and <laughs> and so even with um, you know rejection because that's another thing as well as an actor you rejected millions of times before you get a yes but um, what's been your your greatest rejection I mean, you know, businesses I've been involved in, being failing at a business, being rejected and trying to get, you know, funding for a business, being rejected by girls. <laughs> That's <laughs> happened. Um, I don't know. There's like so many. There's, yeah, so many uh, things. I don't and, know what the biggest so- one, yeah. I don't have any one rejection burnt in my mind because I actually don't have any regrets really because I'm, you know, the one the one thing I can put my hand on my heart and say I have done is just always tried to, um, live authentically to what I've wanted to do. And it's come at hardship. It's come at having, you know, basically no security for my whole twenties and, you know, failing all the time and whatever else and no certainty and stress and anxiety, but I have followed that. Um, so it, it also meant, you know, there's not much regret because, you know, you've at least tried. Yeah. I mean, I've, that's one thing that I've always kind of thought is sort of like, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, exactly. give it a, give it a crack and if it doesn't work out, oh, well, move on to the next thing, I suppose, really. Um, exactly. Otherwise, you're just held back and you're, you, uh, you know, driven by by fear, your fears of rejection and and, um, and failure. Exactly, yeah. It comes, again, down to perspective and realising what's actually important. Like, you know, like we put so much pressure on all these things. It's like, you know, even if you have a lot of success, that's great, but it's also not, you know, we don't have to be so serious about it. It's like the, you know, if it's like a friend or a loved one or someone we care about, you know, or the fundamentals, that we should worry about that. But the career stuff, it's like, you know, even if we do it or don't do it, it's, it's all right. Just try and enjoy it more and not take it so seriously. Mm. Do you think that, um, you know, sort of being in the position that you have been with, because obviously your your father has been such a, um, a public figure throughout your growing years, do you think that that's a lesson that you've learned from that, you know, from being in that kind of environment? Um, yeah, a little bit, probably more so just from trial and error and, you know, putting myself out there, you start to realise what you care about and what's important, but probably, probably as a byproduct, it would be a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, you know, a lot of people do find it difficult to put themselves out there, even, even as adults, you know, I know we, we learn, we learn it, uh, you know, conditioning, but, but even as adults, people find it quite difficult to do that. Um, scary. Yeah. It's, it's scary and, and it's fear. So what's, what's one thing that people can do if they are feeling that fear, how would you suggest people, 
deal with fear that might be stopping them from doing things? Uh, I would say if you are feeling it, not, you know, to not label it and um, not try and get rid of the fear. So, like, I think it's being honest with yourself and realising, you know what, it is not going to be easy and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be probably the harder road in the short term because we all want to stay in our comfort zone. So, you know, I think accepting it is not going to feel good. And then, you know, sort of knowing that and being prepared for the discomfort but and then doing it anyway with that knowledge rather than I think, again, on that reactive level, we can be it's just looking at it like, um, you know, I don't want to touch that fire because it's going to burn me. It's like, no, well, it's not going to, you know, understanding that it's not going to feel great emotionally, but it's not, we're also not in danger. So, and and then understanding why you're doing it. And if it is, you know, if the positives outweigh the negatives, then, you know, you've got to just find the willpower to push yourself to do it. Mm, just go for it. Go for it. Yeah, there you go. go <laughs> well, thanks so much for being on the show today, Nick. I really appreciate your time and um, it's been a really great chat to get into all of these amazing topics with you. Uh, you're so so well um, rounded and versed in this space, so I really appreciate it. No problem. No, thank you for having me on here. And, um, and yeah, anyone listening, I'd love them to also check out, if you don't mind me mentioning, I've got a new podcast called Move Your Mind with Nick Brax. And if you go on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you'll find and interviewing a whole range of people and, you know, talking about similar things to what we're to- we've just talked about here. So uh, love you guys to, you know, check it out if, if you're listening. Yeah, so make sure you, um, so if you like this episode, screenshot it, share it to your stories. Also check out Nick's podcast, Move Your Mind. And you can also find him on Instagram at Nick Brack. So thanks so much for joining me, Nick. And you guys, thanks for listening. And I will catch you on the next episode of the Rage Active Podcast.